0: Why don't you look in the eyes of the people of the state of Florida and say to them, if you're reelected, you will serve a full four year term as governor. Yes or no? DeSantis is saying this. Charlie's interested in talking about 2024 and Joe Biden, but I just want to make things very, very clear. The only worn out old donkey I'm looking to put out to pasture is Charlie Criss.
1: That's ABC's Lionel Moyes reporting. Well, a man is hurt after being shot by a police officer. It happened on Northwest 147th Street and 22nd Avenue in Opelaka He was armed with a weapon, did not drop it, was shot, and is recovering in the hospital. No word on actual charges. Broward School Superintendent in the hot seat. There's a special school board meeting addressing the issue today. Newly appointed chairman Tori Alston says he's holding an open discussion and action on Dr. Vicki Cartwright's future after a highly critical evaluation of her job performance since February. Cartwright's reign at the helm has been in doubt since Governor DeSantis suspended and replaced four school board members at the request of a statewide grand jury. But Cartwright rates herself highly effective in her most recent evaluation. We've had significant um, changes for the betterment as it's related to school safety. We've had significant changes for the betterment when it comes to academic if the board votes to fire her, the majority of yes votes would come from the newly appointed members. Wendy Grossman, News Radio six hundred and ten WIOD. More news coming up at ten thirty. Brian Mud is next. I'm Natalie Rodriguez, News Radio six hundred and ten WIOD. To be Prime Minister.
0: Researched ideas. Mistakes were made. Truthful commentary. Active shooter at the high school. The silent majority's voice. To stop the scourge of gun violence. This is The Brian Mud Show. News Radio 610 WIRD. It is 10 03 on this Tuesday. And it was a fast paced festive hour last night. The debate, the gubernatorial debate at the Sunrise Theater in Fort Pierce. Our own Buck Sexton was there, along with another colleague. And leading up to the debate, I was getting updates about the conditions on the ground, some of what was going on, the mood of the place, that whole deal. And it was five minutes before the debate was to begin. I got this text. 20 idiots and pink t-shirts just entered. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Now, the first thing that came to mind, I'm thinking 20 idiots and pink t-shirts. Obviously, they were making a lot of noise, made their presence felt, but there's a whole lot of organization there, right? When all of a sudden, into the theater come 20 people of the same group, dressed the same. And the pink thing as well immediately sent off something that I've covered in years, situations gone by, that being Code Pink. I do not know if these were Code Pink operatives, but it does seem as though they were highly organized, were together, and who knows, perhaps even compensated for their efforts. One thing we do know about the pink shirt people, they made their presence felt, Throughout the course of the debate, if there was anything that Charlie Chris said, it was amazing right down to some comical moments where Chris was trying to take cracks at DeSantis and specific when he was making a comment about you're going to have Thanksgiving dinner and there's going to be an empty chair. And that empty chair is there because Ron DeSantis killed your family member due to his COVID policies in so many words. That's what he said. And at the end, when he's building this thing up, talking about your your dead relatives at the Thanksgiving table, you can't even get through that soundbite. I was cutting up sound bites from the debate for my morning show this morning. Couldn't get through 20 seconds with either candidate without the pink shirt people being heard in some capacity. They were that obnoxious. Where you had in that moment that I was just referencing... The pink shirt people, because Charlie was talking, go, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they started out applauding your dead relatives at the Thanksgiving table. And you, you can almost get the sense at the point of where it stopped. You know, some of the other um, pink shirt people elbow the other pink shirt, shirt people. You, you, you shouldn't go ahead and, and applaud that. I mean, it really was quite the interesting dynamic there. Somebody who is certainly an interested party, our Lieutenant Governor, Jeanette Nunez. Lieutenant Governor, how are you?
1: Good morning, Brian. How are you?
0: Yeah, I am doing well, and uh, just talking a little bit about the debate and uh, what I refer to as the the pink shirt people at last night's debate that made their presence felt every step of the way. Uh, I'm I'm interested to get your thoughts about the debate, but you know, first to to those individuals that were there that were allowed and trying to dominate the debate. I, I was really impressed with the governor's ability to stay on point, stay on message, and not be rattled by what was clearly an effort to undermine his performance.
1: Well, of course. And, and those pink shirt people like you refer to them. I mean, all they wanted to do was to devolve into, you know, heckling and jeering. And they had no interest in uh, hearing the substance of the answers. And it was clear what they were trying to do. It was clear that they were unsuccessful. It was embarrassment um, for them, in my opinion, and, and looking at, you know, what they were doing. They, a few of them had to be carted off. It, it was just really ridiculous. I think the vast majority of people that were there and people that were watching wanted to hear the answers from the candidates. And uh, it was evident that the governor had just a command, a presence, a level of comfort and poise because he was talking substantively. He wasn't trying to score quick little cheap political points by having your cabal of pink shirt people. I like that. I'm going to use that now. Uh, really just uh, try to, to tip the, the scales of the, of the debate one way or the other.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can tell he was certainly prepared. And, you know, Charlie, for his effort, he went for it. And when I say went for it, in multiple respects. I mean, like, literally trying to say, hey, you're not going to have relatives at Thanksgiving because Ron DeSantis was, was governor, you know, during during COVID. and. You know, we have you know lack of of housing affordability because of of Governor DeSantis. Things of this nature, which, by the way, I mean there is truth to that. I mean, we do have to give Charlie credit on on one note here with with the housing affordability thing. It is true that because more people want to come to the state of Florida than ever before, there's record demand that it has driven up prices because of of you know, the supply demand factor there. So actually Governor DeSantis's policies have had an, an impact on affordability. It's just so many people want to come here. But um you know, it looked like the, the governor was was prepared for every one of those uh, attacks. Um there's one though that uh you know he did not end up answering and it was one that is, is going to continue to be brought up and, and that is the question about serving four years. Now, of course, uh, Chris, asking DeSantis directly, that was not part of what was uh, you know, considered in the debate. But your thoughts about the governor's non-response to that and how this issue will continue to linger over the campaign?
1: Well, I, I think actually the governor had the, the line of the night when he said the only worn-out old donkey he's looking to put to pasture is Charlie Crist." in this election and and so i think you know obviously charlie was desperate grasping at straws trying to make issues where there weren't and and really of course focusing on the the future and the 2024 which is absurd you know for someone who was running for uh, a vice presidential slot under john mccain back when he was governor as someone who didn't run for re-election didn't care was only looking for higher office the governor's made clear he's focused on running for re-election continuing the great work he's done, and it's evident. As you mentioned, people are flocking to Florida, number one in immigration, number one in new business formation. Our economy is outperforming the nation. And for Charlie to sit there and try to make issues um, and, and then the other thing to try to blame us for his bad votes and his bad policies that he's tied himself to the hip with with uh, Biden, uh, you know, for him to say that we're responsible for the increase in gas prices, that we're responsible for inflation. I mean, I think it's a joke. I think anybody that was watching that had to chuckle and and see Charlie for what he is, a desperate shell of a candidate
0: yeah I mean it was definitely a reach on some of those, especially inflation. Let me ask you about the gas price thing just because that was one specific issue that he brought up. obviously, in this month of October, you have the state suspension of the twenty five point three cent gas tax uh, Charlie Chris said that it was a political stunt and and he thought it was outrageous you know to to time it right before the election. as I think about this, November first, that gas tax is going to go back on right before election day um <laughs> I don't know if that's a political tactic if it's actually the best one, but can you explain what the decision the rationale was behind having that suspension in the month of October?
1: Sure, and the governor's talked about this a, a couple of times when he's been asked, and it really was, uh, we focused on making sure that it was going to bring the biggest benefit to Floridians, not to tourists during our heavy season, the summer months. And so, you know, we asked our folks to look at it, and it made sense to do it in October. Uh, it's the uh, time of year where we don't have uh, as many tourists as, as we do normally in the summer months and in the high season in the winter. So it made sense, and it's something that, you know, I think Charlie should be applauding because right now we're desperate for relief wherever we can get it. Uh, obviously, Biden and his ridiculous policies of making America less energy independent, which has driven up the, the pricing, releasing uh, uh, petroleum from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. I mean, all these things that Charlie and, and, and Joe Biden... Are part and parcel. It really is a, a problem. It really is creating a situation for Floridians that's uh, that's taxing on them, and that's why we're proud to have supported and signed into law the largest tax relief in the history of the state of Florida. We have the largest budget surplus in the state history, uh, over twenty billion dollars of, of budget reserves that'll help us weather the Biden inflation storms that are soon to come.
0: We're speaking with our Lieutenant Governor Jeanette Nunez. As lieutenant governor, obviously, you stand ready to serve if, for any reason, the governor isn't able to. Have there been any discussions between you and Governor DeSantis about your stepping in for him, whether it be for a, a future run for office?
1: None. Absolutely none. It has been uh, a non-issue. We've never discussed it. And that's something, like I said, he's focused on running for re-election. And so am I. I'm looking forward to the next four years that we're going to continue to do great things for Floridians, making sure we protect your freedoms, we protect your business, we protect your children. And so we've got a lot of work cut out for us in the next four years, and we're eager to take on that task.
0: One thing that the governor highlighted last night, we're going to be speaking with our Education Commissioner, Manny Diaz Jr., coming up here in about a half hour, and we'll get some more details on it. But obviously the national assessment that came in yesterday showed Florida's best performance ever really do see the standout differences based upon school policy during the pandemic.
1: Yeah, and that was really exciting. And I actually had the opportunity a few years back Um, to serve on the National Assessment Governing Board, which oversees the NAEP, which is the nation's report card. And what we saw, um, I think we were pretty much expecting for that to happen, is that Florida had um, the The least amount of learning loss, the learning gains in Florida have been astronomical. What we've seen from our educational system because of, not just because of the decisions that we've made over the course of the last several years, ensuring um, a quality education, raising starting teacher pay, which the Democrats love to talk about that they've never done anything about, but also making sure that we got our kids back in the classroom. We've talked about this, Brian, you and I, at length during the pandemic. We know that the biggest blunder as a related to some of the decisions made with getting kids kept out of schools and and left states doubled down on it, Um, you know, and so Florida led the way in getting our kids back into the classroom. There is no substitute for in-person learning, and I think those NAEP scores are evidence of our excellent policies, of our excellent curriculum, making sure our kids are educated and not indoctrinated, and that's something I think another issue that the governor has really been focused on is parental rights, And, and that's something that you and I have also talked about over the course of the past several months.
0: No doubt. It's a great story that Florida can tell. It's what happens when you have good leadership. I'll look forward to hearing the tales of the pink shirt people on the uh, <laughs> on the trail. <laughs> Thank you so much for the time. Good talking with you.
1: Great talking to you.
0: All right, our Lieutenant Governor Jeanette Nunez. All right, so Miami-Dade's ballot referendums. My coverage, my recommendations on each of them next. Here on the Brian Mud Show. He's ready to go 610-W-I-O-D. Which